Good morning, everyone. Um, before we start this week's Parsha, I just want to begin with um, correcting a mistake that I made last week. Um, it was on the very last lines of the Sikha, where the Rebbe quoted um, the Gemara in Shabbos, Amud Lamed, I mean, Daf Lamed Amud Beis, and the Rebbe quoted the Gemara Asida Eretz Yisrael Shatetzi Gluskais Uchlei Melas that in the, at the end of times when Mashiach comes, Eretz Yisrael will produce um, cakes, and, and, and that was correct, I believe what I said last week, but then I said, I rendered that as fine vessels, but it's fine wool garments, and I apologize. So it's that in, in, the, in the future, Eretz Yisrael will yield fine cakes and, uh, or delicious cakes and fine wool garments. Um, so I just wanted to um, correct that. And uh, we're going to be in now our Sicha on Chayisara. It's Chelek uh, Tezbov and it's Sicha Aleph. Um, last week we did a Rashi Sicha. This week, if we're going to kind of place Sichas in different categories or genres, um, this is a Sicha where the Rebbe explains and um, in, in, in quite an in depth manner how the name of the Parsha reflects um, the entirety of the Parsha, or rather how the entirety of the Parsha, the essence of the Parsha, is reflected in the name of the Parsha. And there are many sikhas um, that belong in this category, where the Rebbe rejects the idea that the name of the Parsha somehow is just kind of by chance, or it, you, you know, you just grab the first two words or the first word of a parsha, and then you you call it the name of the parsha. Um, but the Rebbe always insists, uh, vociferously so, that the name of the parsha includes and um, embodies the entirety of the parsha. And the Rebbe is going to teach us how the name Chayi Sarah does this. Um, and just this is a trigger warning. I, I live on a campus. So you have to respect the fact that I, uh, I understand that I need to issue trigger warnings. Um, and if you're feeling very woke this morning or PC, uh, this is probably going to um, <laughs> trigger you. Um, but it's Teres Emes. Uh, and uh, that's what we're learning. Okay, Benegea Lashemus or Lashmais, I think, Haparshias, regarding the names of the Parshias, Nizbar, Kvar, Kama, Kvar, Pa'amin Rabbis. I've explained many times, Shatechna shall call Parsha Merumas Bishma, that the name and the content and the essence of the Parsha is alluded to in its name. Vachenu Gab Benidun Parsha Senu, Shabashem Chaye Sara, Merumas Techna Parsha Kula. And so it is. Uh, in this parsha, Chayesara, that in its name, the the entire content of the parsha is embodied, is alluded to. Bitamua, and uh, it's kind of uh, a wonder. We question. Haparsha chula aisekes bimeira is shaloi eru bizman Chayesara. The entirety of the parsha involves narratives and happenings that did not take place during the time of Sarah's life when she was living. Ella Adrab, on the contrary, Chulam, all of them, his Racha Shula Achri Misa Sarah, 
They all took place, they all unfolded after her physical death. It's not only that chronologically they took place after her death, but it's rather that when you look at the content of what it is that we're, the, the events that we're looking at, they are contraindicated, they're, they're the antithesis of her life. How so? In the first Aliyah, so the very first thing we encounter in this Parsha is Avram buying the Maris and Machpela in order to bury Sarah. And the next thing that happens is the quite uh, elongated story of Yitzchak marrying Rivka. And at the very end of that story, at the very end, Nehemar Pekosov, the Torah says, that Yitzchak was comforted for the loss of his mother. And Rashi explains that, that this was the comfort, that when, when Yitzchak got married, he was comforted for the loss of his mother. And in like fashion, the third Indian, the third event or the third idea um, that we visit in, in this Parsha, and, 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 and even more so when you look at what came before it, by Yosef Avram Isha, that Avram married another woman. And, the, and then it says, and these are the generations of Ishmael. All of this, and all of this is completely antithetical to the life, the energy of Sarah. Because what did Sarah want? Sarah wanted that Avram should banish Hagar. And here, Avram remarried Hagar, yes, by the name of Keturah. Yes, she was uh, a different iteration, but he married Hagar. And then the Torah tells us all of the uh, genealogy of Yishmael. So all of these three in Yanim, the, the buying the burial plot for Sarah, certainly doesn't seem to be about her life. And then we have Yitzhak marrying Rivka, and the Torah tells us very clearly that in marrying Rivka, he was comforted for the loss and the death of his mother. And then we have Avram remarrying Hagar, the very woman that Sarah had told him to banish from, from, their, from their homestead. So all of these three Yanim seem to be not just chronologically after Sarah's life, but kind of contrary to what Sarah was. The im came, and if this is so, if Efsha Loimar Shotoichana Parsha, Voita is called Haparsha, Uchayesar. So if this is so, how can we say that the content of this Parsha and all of this week's Parsha is Chayesara, the life of Sarah? Base. We're in the second, if the second part of the first Sicha Chayesara in, in, uh, in Chilak Tezvav. And the explanation is, it's well known, the Perush Divrei HaGemara, and the words of the Gemara, Yaakov Avinu Loim Meis 
that Yaakov Avinu did not die. The Gemara says, As long as his children are alive, he is alive. And so the Rebbe says it's well known, the, the beer, the explanation of these words. Because Edin Hachayim Lamitasai Huchayim Nitzchayim Dafka, Chaye Oilam. Because in essence, the, 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 the truth of life is the life that is eternal, the life that never ceases. The Chayim Ka'elu, Efsharim Rak Bemish Adavak Bahashem. And this type of essential life, of true life, of eternal life, is only possible and is only available to those who cleave onto Hashem. Hashem is makar hachayim b'hanetzach hamiti. Because Hashem, of course, is the source of all life and the source of, 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 of infinity, of eternity. like it says, v'abaye elekim emeshu elekim chayim. V'nemar v'atem hadvekim v'ashem elekechem chayim. So Rebbe brings down two sokim, one from Yirmiyahu, one from Veschanan, that Hashem Elokim is the MS and is the living God. Umuva Mize, so it's understood from this. Asher Emasai Nikar Shahaya Etzel Yaakov Inachayim Lamitasai. So, in keeping with this idea that life in general is really about true life, and true life is the extent to which. We connect ourselves to the source of life, to the source of eternity. So we understand that when we talk about Yaakov, the true life, the eternal life, the life of holiness, Chaim Shal Kedusha, when is this apparent? When is this recognized? When is this manifest? When you could see in revealed fashion the eternity of his life. That his life continues after the neshama leaves the body. Because even afterwards, his children are are connected to the essence of life. And his children continue to live in the same way that Yaakov Avinu lived, completely connected to the source of true life and eternity. And so we take this very famous teaching and we now connect it to the Indian of Chayi Sarah, the life of Sarah. Sarah. When is the true life of Sarah revealed and verified or validated? It is only when the influence of her life is recognized after her living in this world. I knew this means. When all of the goodness of her life and the holiness of her life continues after her physical life in this world. 
It is only after she passes from this world. It is after her physical existence. And when the influence of all the goodness and the holiness that she taught continue, only then are her 127 years um, deserving of being called Chaye Sarah, the life of Sarah. Chayim haru'uyim l'shmam, chayim amitiyim shal Sarah imenu. Chayim that is worthy of being called chayim, the true life of Sarah. And so in accordance with this idea, we can explain the very substantial part of this parsha that involves itself with the story of Yitzchak marrying Rivka. Because once we see that Yitzchak comported himself in consonance with Sarah's life, and he married Rivka, the woman um, who embodied Sarah's energy, like we learned from the Pasuk, that the litmus test for Yitzchak concerning whether this was the right woman or not, irrespective of the fact that Hashem had made Eliezer find her amidst so many miracles, was that he brought her into Sarah's tent. And behold, she was Sarah. What does it mean she was Sarah? Because all of the um, definitive aspects of Sarah's life that were embodied in three miracles, the Ner Dolog, Erev Shabbos, Erev Shabbos, the light that remained illuminated from one Erev Shabbos to the other, the Bracha Mitsuya Be'isa, the um, singular blessing that was found in her dough, and the fact that there was a heavenly cloud that was attached to, the, to her tent, Nimshichu v'niskaimu gam la'achar mekein berifka. So once Rivka entered the tent, these three miracles continued and um, once again were in existence. And so it is through this specifically that the true life of Sarah and her eternity is expressed. But this is not enough of an explanation as to call the entire Parsha Chaye Sarah, because in addition to the fact that this would only explain one of the aspects of this Parsha and how it is aptly called Chaye Sarah, but it does not explain the other two main aspects of this Parsha. But in addition to this, Parsha Zuberuba, but the other issue is that even if you want to say that the majority of this parsha is taken up with Yitzhak marrying Rivka, but the Rebbe says, but if you look more closely, you'll see that it's not really about the marriage, the clinching is not really the main focus. The main focus, the many, 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 many psukim, concern themselves 
with Eliezer going and um, all of the dialogues that take place. And we're giving this not once, but twice because he repeats all of this. Mitzia Soyes Rivka, how we find Rivka. After he finds Rivka, then we get a recap. He once again repeats everything to Besuel and Lavan in order to get them to agree. And so the Rebbe says, so we're still really stuck with our original question of why this Parsha should be called Chaye Sarah if our point of departure is the thesis that the name of the Parsha embodies and encapsulates the, the entirety of the Parsha. We will begin to explain this by prefacing with something that necessitates explanation in the very first part, in the first Aliyah. And this first uh, is, uh, Aliyah, we find a, quite an elongated discussion again, a shakal bataya going back and forth between Avram and the people of that region, the Bnei Ches and Ephron, uh, regarding his wish to purchase Maris HaMachpela. The Dabar Nais of Hadar and there's another thing that needs explanation. Alas Chalas Diburish al Avram of When he begins the dialogue of Avram with the Bnei Ches, he says the following words, Ger I am an alien and a resident among you. Amru Chazal. So Chazal say on this, and Rashi brings it down. How can a person be both a Ger How can you be both an alien and uh, like somebody that's just passing by and a resident? So Chazal explained, Im tirtzu, if you want, Harini Ger. You want to look at me as somebody who's just passing through, who's alien uh, to this region, that could be a ger. But if not, then I will assert the fact that I am actually a resident. And being a resident, I will take this piece of land that I seek to buy from you. I will just take it legally. Because God said to me, to your children, I will give this land. So basically, Abram says, look, if you want to accept that I'm an alien and uh, you want to accept my money, I'll buy it from you. <laughs> but if you don't want to do business that way, then I will just assert my legal rights to this land. And it would seem this is not understood. If Avram was able to simply assert his rights to this land legally, so why did he try so hard to enter into this deal that they sell it to him? And not only sell it, but he paid way more than it was worth on the market. And so why was he saying, look, I can present myself to you as an alien? What, what, what was he trying to say with that? And Bayes, And in fact, 
let's wait a minute and ask, how was he possible to assert his legal rights to this? The truth of the matter is that the land had not yet entered his ownership. There was merely a promise for the future. Hashem said, I will give this land to your children. So how could Avram have said, I will just assert my legal rights as if it already belongs to him? We also need to explain something in the end of the Parsha. At the end of the Parsha, Torah says that Yitzhak and Yishmael buried their father Avram. The Razal said, it's found in, in the Gemara, and Rashi brings it down. Mikan, from here we learn, We learn this because the Pasuk says, Yitzchak, and then Yishmael, which shows us that Yishmael allowed Yitzchak to go before him. He accorded him the right of the Bechor, and this shows us that he did Shuba, but Tzarek Lohavin, and we have to understand. Why did the Torah allude to Yishmael's Shuba only in the narrative concerning the burial of Avram, after he is, he is already not alive? But we know that Yishmael actually did tshuva earlier. And the Gemara tells us this, and Rashi brings it down, that it says that Avram died in good old age. And this could only be possible for it to consider it good if Yishmael did tshuva. So we learn that Yishmael did tshuva while Avram was still alive. So why would the Torah only allude to this, hint to this, after his death? So after the Rebbe prefaces with these questions, the Rebbe now takes us to answering in general the question of how this Parsha indeed is best encapsulated by the words Chaye Sarah. Fabir was an explanation. So the Rebbe says we will um, embark on this explanation by first beginning to look at the difference between Avraham and Sarah. <coughs> and this expresses itself in a Sehem, relevant to the generations that came from them, their children, their progeny. Avraham kipshutim shal dvarim, aviv shal Yitzchak. As we could see plainly in the Torah, Avraham was not just the father of Yitzchak, Elagam shal Yishmael, he was also the father of Yishmael. Until in our previous parsha, we just learned, Chazal tell us, and Rashi brings down that when Hashem says, Bincha Yechidcha Ashera Hafta, that all of these were still not alone. Avram kept saying, Yishmael is also my only son. He's also the son that I love. And on top of this, we know that Yishmael was born before Yitzchak. Very simply speaking, Avram was also the father of other nations, not just B'nai Yisrael. 
And in fact, we find in the Torah, Hashem told us, told him of Hamoin Goyim Nisatecha, I have made you the father of many nations. Hainu, Shehu of Lechol Elam. In fact, he would be the father to all of the world. Masha and Kain Sarah, in contradistinction, when we talk about Sarah, Haisa Imay Shal Yitzchak Bilvad, she was the mother of Yitzchak alone. Hainu. Her, her connection, her focus is only on Yisrael. And so this difference that we, that we first mentioned regarding the genealogy, regarding uh, the progeny, really expresses itself in their life's work. It really expresses itself in their, in their MO, in, in how they operate it. Avram broadcasted and um, promulgated godliness to all types of people. He Avram Avinu taught and prompted other people to call onto the name of Hashem, all people that would come and go. Vafilu Larveim, including the Arabs, Hamashtachabim Labakur Lehem, who um who served other deities and, and even uh bowed down to the to the uh, dust on their feet. Mibli Lahashgiach in Yisharu Gam Laakhar Mikain Tachas Hashba Asahim Lav. And Avramavinu kind of um gave forth his hashba, his effulence to all irrespective of if they would actually remain under his influence long-term or not. Masha'in kein Sarah, but Sarah imenu differently. Hashpaz v'hamshachas elokus al-yada Yitzchak. Her, um, the way in which she influenced the world and influenced people to come under uh, the Kampi Hashchina, uh, and, and, and come towards Haroi. She was very disciplined and very, very focused in terms of how she gave forth her influence. And she did so only to the deserving and proper, um, let's just say, uh, recipients. Only to the side of holiness. As is alluded to in a story concerning Rav Banaa, and as this is explained at some length in the Torah of Chasidus. So, just very, very um, quickly to synopsize. So, the Gemara tells a story about Rav Banaa uh, that he was seeking to um, ascertain the exact measurements of various um, grave sites in Eretz Yisrael to ascertain um, for, for, for reasons of Tuma and Tara. And when he came to Arsach Pela, Eliezer, the servant of Abraham, stood in front of Arsach Pela and said, you cannot come in here uh, because uh, Avram and Sarah are in a situation where it's not proper that you should come in. Um, that Avram is in the embrace of Sarah, and Sarah is um, taking uh, nits or lice out of his hair. 
Um, now, uh, this is actually a source in halacha for um, husbands and wives, wives and husbands not engaging in physical expressions of affection or even of not affection in front of other people, but we're not talking halacha here. Um, but Hasidus, uh, it's written in many places about uh, this incident. What does it mean that Avram is in the embrace of, uh, that Sarah is in the embrace of Avram and she is combing through his hair. And it's explained that, um, that Avram is the Indian of Chesed. In general, you could say that the difference between Chesed and Gevura is that Chesed is about unfettered um, disbursement, giving. And you would even say that it's more about the giver. And Gevura is more about the recipient. It's more about how it will be accepted and who is on the accepting side. So Avraham, so here in general, Hasidus um, is the embodiment of the chitzaynim, like the, 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 the extraneous or the very tip of something, generally speaking, because the holiness that is present in here is a very, 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 very minute amount. And because it's present in such a minute amount, it allows for the tzachek neged, the impure side, to feed off of it. Because the impure side or the unholy side in this world has to also get its sukkah and get its nourishment and sustenance from holiness. But usually it can't approach unabashed holiness because it's too much, it's too overwhelming. It will choke on, on um, the holiness but it does approach here. It can approach here because of the very minute amount and siphon off what it needs. So Avram in general was this Indian of unabashed chesed and, and feeding the whole world. But Sarah was about very disciplined and um, very focused feeding. Of, of this holiness. And so this idea of her taking out uh, or, or combing his hair, in other words, of her being misadar his hair, is this idea of her curtailing the ability of the chitzenim, of the inikas chitzenim, of, of the impure um, aspects of this world to feed off of his hair. So the Rebbe says that this is alluded to in this in this otherwise kind of very, I think we could say, strange story. Um, and then the Rebbe tells us that Al Pichasidus, this is what we learn. The Chilukze, and this difference between unvarnished, unfettered, indiscriminate giving forth of, of energy, as opposed to Sarah's very focused uh, giving forth of energy comes to expression, comes to expression, you could see this in, in how Yishmael was treated. Um, I, I don't remember how to pronounce this properly. Garish, or you could unmute yourself, tell me. Banish this woman, this, this, this slave woman, and her son, 
because this child of a maidservant will not inherit together with my son with Yitzchak. And in fact, she, she got what she asked for. Even though, although this was not something that Avram uh, was able to embrace easily, this was, this, was, this was very bad in the eyes of Avram. Avram Avram gave Elokus and drew down Elokus to all. And therefore, this was very bad in his eyes. This was very, very difficult. That Sarah is telling him to send away his own child. And more. Avram asked for, and he acquired what he asked for. Avram said, Halavai, that Yishmael shall live before you in consonance with you, Hashem. But from the perspective of Sarah, although Yishmael, in fact, lived lived before Hashem in his own way, but vis-a-vis Sarah, through her lens, through her prism, through her modality, you really couldn't compare Yishmael to Yitzchak. In fact, Yishmael has no worth when you compare him to Yitzchak. And therefore, she vociferously maintained that Hagar, that this bond woman and her son had to be banished. I know this means from her perspective, Yishmael is not Shayach to receive the Hashba of Avram, together with Yitzchak, together with Am Yisrael. Hey, ve'in yinzeh, hu ha'nekuda ha'kailelas shall call ha'parshiyos v'hasipurim shebeparshiyosinu. And this, the Rebbe says, is the, is the vortex, is the central point of all of the stories and all of the aliyahs in this parsha. So now he returns to the beginning of the parsha to show you how this is the seminal point. Mars and originally was where Adam and Chava were buried. They are the parents of all of humanity. And so since they are the parents of all of humanity. So Ma'ar's Machpelah did not have to dafka be something that belongs specifically to the Jews. It's, it's generic. It's ecumenical, belongs to everybody. But we see, nevertheless, that Avram took pains to acquire this for, to bury Sarah. And after that, it is where we have our three Avais and three of our four Imahis are buried there. This makes it a um, uniquely Jewish place. And this actually proves that Am Yisrael are the main thing that comes out of Adam and Chava. 
And all the rest of the nations really have no worth um, juxtaposed against B'nai Yisrael. The Rebbe says, and as we, we, we progress through the Parsha, we see this kind of on steroids further in the story of sending Eliezer. Where do we see the same idea? The way in which B'nai Yisrael are singular and unique is not only found when you compare them to the other nations of the world that have no connection to Avram Avinu. But in the next story, we find exhibit A of how the complete chasm between B'nai Yisrael and everybody else is revealed even when you compare it to those that did have a close connection to Avram. Because when we speak about Eliezer, the, the servant of Avram, Nemar, it said about him in the Gemara, that he drew and gave to drink to others from the Torah of his teacher meaning he taught the world Avram Avinu's teachings. So he wasn't just a servant. He wasn't just the chief butler. He was a Talmud Muvak. He was a, he was a, the prize student of Avram, and he taught to others. And in this very story, the Torah describes the many, many miracles that Hashem gave him, as he was fulfilling the shlichas that Avram gave him, until Chazal tell us, with a very famous teaching, Gemara, Gemara addresses, why does the Torah spill so much ink on the story? That there are things that we can learn from the servants of our forefathers that are even more important or beautiful than the Torah of the sons of our others. Meaning that just from the way they comported themselves, from the things that they said, there are very, very profound lessons to be learned. And even after all of this, after the Torah underscores Eliezer's unique credentials as being a holy person, as being a person who was deserving of miracles, as being a person who was an expositor of Avram Avinu's Torah. But after all of this, but still in all, Avram would not consider marrying his son to the daughter of Eliezer. And Rashi brings us down <coughs> these words, my son is blessed, and you are cursed. And a cursed cannot attach itself to the blessed. This means that without looking, meaning irrespective of all of the great characteristics of Eliezer, 
But when you compare him to Yitzhak, it's not just that he is lower, but, but juxtaposed against Yitzchak or relevant to Yitzchak or compared to Yitzchak, Eliezer is cursed. He's considered cursed as compared to one who is blessed. So it's not just that he's not the same caliber. He's not the same category. He's not the same madriga, but he's considered cursed as opposed to one who is blessed. And then the Rebbe addresses the third part, the third story. So the Rebbe is showing that as the Parsha unfurls, as the Parsha continues, each story of the Parsha underscores or kind of showcases in deeper and more profound fashion this point of the difference between Yidin and those who are not Yidin. And this is the embodiment of Chaye Sarah, the life of Sarah. So the end of the Parsha, the, the, the Parsha adds an additional great aspect to this. That the singular characteristic of Yisrael can also be found even amongst the very children, okay? So we start with other peoples. Then we see this idea as expressed with those who are in the inner circle of Avraham, Eliezer. And now we find it in the children of Avraham himself. And we find that even though these are the children of Avraham, it's not just that they're less, it's not just that they're considered cursed as opposed to blessed, but they don't figure at all. After the Torah tells us that Avraham remarried and he took a woman by the name of Keturah, after the Torah tells us that she birthed children. Then it says, it says, The Torah says that Avram gave everything that he possessed to Yitzchak, and to the children of the concubines. Nasan Avram Matanais, Avram gave them presents. And he sent them away from Yitzhak his son. And we find in like fashion, to the, uh, when it talks about the children of Yishmael, that although they were the children, the progeny of Yishmael, who was the son of Avram, but right after they are introduced, the, the terror adds immediately and underscores Asher Yolda Hagar Hamitzris Shifchas Sarah. That these are the progeny because they come from Yishmael and Yishmael was born to Hagar Hamitzris. He was born to, to Hagar the Egyptian who was the maidservant or the bondwoman of Sarah. 
Hainu, this means, she has mitzusai shall Yishmael, vitoldasav atzaif kolader. So the very existence of Yishmael and his progeny until the end of time, Yolda Shifchas Sara. This all has its antecedents in the slave woman, the bond woman of Sarah, the loy called Erech Yitzhak ben Sarah. And so we clearly can see that this has no worth when you compare it to Yitzchak, the son of Sarah. And based on this, we can understand why the Torah alludes to the tshuva that Yishmael did only in connection to the burial of Avram. And specifically through this, that he allowed Yitzchak to walk before him in the uh, procession that accompanied the burial. Because the main aspect of Yishmael's sin, that caused Avraham, necessitated, because of this, necessitated Avraham to send Yishmael away with Hagar. It's because, as Rashi brings down and, um, and brought down in the Gemara, that Yishmael claimed that he was a Bechar and therefore he would take double of, you know, as, as is belonging to, to a Bechar. His main sin was that he was unable or he was unwilling to recognize the truth about the hierarchy. He was not able to accept or recognize that he was merely the son of Hagar, the slave woman, and he would not inherit. And that the main ear, or the, 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 I'm sorry, the true ear was Yitzchak, who was the son of the, um, the mistress. Ukadivri Sarah, Gorash Ha'ama Hazois Bezbina, Kilo Yerish Ben Ha'ama Hazois in Bini and Yitzchak. And you could see this conflict encapsulated in the words that Sarah said to Avram Banish this slave woman together with her son, because he will not inherit together with my son, with Yitzchak. And those words pretty much sum up the conflict. And therefore, the Torah alludes to doing tshuva, Aleph, first of all, specifically when it talks about Avram's burial. It is alluded to after Avram passes, during the time where it would be most recognizable, practically speaking, that Yishmael no longer considered himself to be an ear. Because we all know that matters of inheritance really are highlighted after death. That's, you know, that's when, that's when conflicts occur. That's when it all comes to the fore. So that's why the Torah alludes to Yishmael doing tshuva, dafka after Avram's death, dafka when we speak about his burial, dafka at that sensitive point, because as, as I've explained to us, because his main sin was in not being able to accept his position. 
the chain, and also base for another reason. Because he acknowledged Yitzchak and he allowed him to walk before him, this means that he recognized, he truly recognized, and he acknowledged Yitzchak is the true heir of Avram, and he is the one who has the obligation to bury Avram, and that he is merely the son of the slave woman. And now we can understand the central point of all of the stories in this parsha and the way they are connected and, uh, and, and, and find expression in the name Chayesara. Ki binyanim elu mudgash hachidus bavedasa. Because in these three stories is underscored the novelty of what Sarah accomplished to her Avaida, the Elohim Chayaha Mitim. And therefore, this is the truth of her work. Legalis Olevate Esahevdel Vehain Araich Shabin Yitzak Lishmal Ben Israel Amin. To reveal and to express the difference and the way in which you cannot compare Yitzchak to Yishmael, Yisrael to the rest of the nations. Zayin, and the Rebbe says, and now once we have answered our question, now let's go a little bit deeper in this Inyan. The very existence of heaven and earth and all their hosts, including all of the other nations, is for the purpose of B'nai Yisrael, as Rashi states in the very first Rashi on the Torah. Meaning that their very existence, their very creation, is to serve the purpose of B'nai Yisrael. Umamela. And therefore, if they don't fulfill their purpose, if they don't fulfill the, their intention, there's no reason for their existence. And the Rebbe says, we can possibly explain the very rubric of Sheva Mitzvah B'nei Noyach. Sheva Mitzvah Elu, Einan Inyan Betachlis La'atzman Laman B'nei Noyach Atzman. These Sheva Mitzvahs are not a concept onto themselves. They are not actually truly for the purpose of B'nei Noyach. Elohim Gam Kein B'Shvil Yisrael B'Shvil Hatera. But rather they are also for Bnei Yisrael and for the Torah. They are there to facilitate They are there to make possible the fulfillment of Torah mitzvahs through the agency of Bnei Yisrael. Why? In order for Bnei Yisrael to keep Torah mitzvahs and to bring down into this world the light of Hashem 
that, that, that transcends this world. The world has to be deserving and the world has to be ready for this light to come into it. This is made possible and is facilitated through B'nai Noyach, keeping the Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Noyach, which creates a, um, a, a situation of the world being inhabitable. And therefore, when a Ben Noyach transgresses any of these seven mitzvahs, without there being a distinction between any of them, he actually is Chayav Misa, he's worthy of death, of Bittel Mitzvah, obviating his very existence. Because the purpose and the reason for his existence is not onto itself, but rather for B'nai Yisrael. So when he doesn't fulfill his mandate, so he ipso facto loses the... Um, the basis of his existence in this world. And because this is the sum total of his or their existence, once we understand this truth, which I submit is um, certainly difficult to um, convey to certain audiences and might even be hard for us to hear, uh, living in the world that we do in this postmodern era and so on and so forth. But once we ascertain this truth, we understand this had to be ascertained and even recognized at the very beginning, at the get-go, from the first Jew, from Avram. And this concept is underscored in Parshas Chayesara, in all three of the main stories. And this is an Indian, the Dafka, comes to the fore through Sarah, through the life of Sarah. The Parsha Harishayna, now the Rebbe is going to go back to a question he raised. The Parsha Harishayna, in the first Aliyah, Hadavar Mutgash B'debi Avram Ger V'taisha. This Indian is underscored in the exact terminology that Avraham used. The Rebbe raised two questions about this. Why did Avram introduce himself as both an alien or a resident? And he said, if you want, in other words, if you want to do business with me, if you will recognize that I'm an alien, I could pay you. And if not, I'm going to assert my ownership of this place and I will not pay you. So that explains. Eretz Yisrael was created on the part of Hashem with the intention of giving this land to B'nai Yisrael. Period, exclamation point. And that, that he gave it first to the other nation, with his, he willingly gave it to the other nations of the world. Was to 
was only that afterwards it should be clear that it was with his will that he took it away from the other nations. And he gave it to us, he gave it to Israel. And the giving of Eretz Yisrael to B'nai Yisrael was done in such a way that each part of Eretz Yisrael had a fixed time and a fixed way in which it would be given to B'nai Yisrael. Masai v'keitzad Yisrael. Both the time and the modality in which it would be given to B'nai Yisrael. The general land of Eretz Israel was to reach the hands of Bnei Israel only in the times of Yeshua. Earlier than that, if Bnei Israel tried to assert this land, as the Torah says, they would be overwhelmed by a proliferation of wild animals. So it was meant to come to Bnei Yisrael only in the time of Yeshua. And specifically through conquest. This part of Bnei Yisrael was to reach the hands of Avram for the purpose of burying Sarah through purchase, specifically not through conquest, but through purchase from Bnei Ches. And now we have the ability to understand the intention of Avram when he said, if you want to accept the modality that I am an alien, I'll pay you. And if not, I'll just take it. I'll legally assert my rights because Hashem has promised this land to my children. Avram was really saying to them, if you are cognizant and you recognize the truth, and that is that Hashem gave you this piece of land for the reason of selling it to me. That's the only reason that it came into your ownership in the first place. Fine. Then I will relate to you as a ger, as an alien, and I'll buy it for you. I'll buy it for you. So, and, and the Rebbe says in, in, in brackets, and the truth of the matter is that just like the true intention of their ownership of Marasach Pela was for them to sell it to Avram, so too, when you zoom out, that's really the intention and the purpose of the rest of the world. It's all Bishvil the Torah. Then the Rebbe says, the Mars Machpelah was first in the Rishos of Benichis. And it was only for the purpose that Abraham Avinu should be able to buy it from them because that was the modality that the Abish sent into motion for the 
acquisition of that particular part of Eretz Yisrael, and also the time. And then the Rebbe says, by the by, from this whole um, business deal that Avram made with Bnei Ches, we learn a lot about acquisition in halacha. Kicha, kicha, misday Ephron. We learn also about marriage, about the whole idea of acquiring a wife. All of this is hinted at, alluded at in uh, the words Avram used. Aval imlav. But Avram said, but if not, if, you, if you're not ready to recognize this, if you're not ready to see the truth about how this world work, works, you don't want to sell it to me, then I will just take it. I will assert it, legally speaking. If you don't fulfill your stated mandate and you don't fulfill the intention for which came into your ownership to begin with, then even the transient ownership that you had on Mars Machpelah is completely obviated. And then I'll just be able to assert it. The only reason it even belonged to you for any amount of time was in order for you to sell it to me. If you can't recognize that, if you can't be cognizant of that truth, then your whole ownership of this of this place completely goes bye bye. It, it it completely loses its its existence, and then I'll just take it. The cholzeh and all of this shayek lechaye sarah, and all of this rabbi says takes us back to the whole idea of chaye sarah, the true life of sarah. The koycha umitzada bedasa shal sarah ukakdamas hakasa bayakam avram mealpne. All of this really comes from Sarah's Aveda, from her strength. And like the Torah says, Avram went into this whole dialogue with Bnei Ches when he got up from upon his, his, uh, his departed loved one, which was Sarah. In other words, this whole idea that the Abisha created the world for the Jews and for Torah, this is all amplified by and is all embodied by Sarah. This is her Aveda. She teaches us this. She lived this. This is her, this is her eternal um, life and legacy and gift. And likewise, we can explain the second thing that's spoken of in this week's parsha: Nisuya Yitzchak for Rivka, the marriage of Yitzchak and Rivka. And the Rebbe reminds us that Yitzchak was the first who was born as a Jew. The parsha zu metayarim, think metayarim, ba'arichos hanisim she'eru leliezer. All the miracles that occur to Eliezer are described in, in rather elongated fashion. And then he, he says it again, he recounts it again to And when he recounted everything that happened to him, they came to the, to the recognition, they came to the conclusion that this was all orchestrated by Hashem. The schemo 
and therefore they they agree to the shidduch of Yitzchak and Rivka. In a Rivka lefanecha, they said, "Here Rivka is before you. Take her and go." Kasher diber Hashem. All this is obviously what Hashem wanted. The chose mevate umatkish, and all of this expresses and underscores sheikar v'tachlis kol hamnuurayis kan heim Avraham v'Yitzchak b'shvil Yisrael. It underscores that all of these happenings are really about. Avram and Yitzchak, they're Bishvili Yisrael, they're for B'nai Yisrael. V'yaseirim Yisru, and even more so. Kasher B'suel B'kish L'akev Adavar. When B'suel wanted to stop the Shidduch, Tekev Nizbat L'Mitzyosei. He immediately, uh, he died. His, his entire existence was obviated. Why? Because his entire existence was for the purpose of fathering Rivka, that Rivka should be born from him and that she should marry Yitzchak. So as soon as he sought to impede this Yitzchak marrying Rivka, he, he was gone. And again, what the Rebbe did in the Sicha was he explained how every part of this Parsha, the three main stories, are encapsulated in the words Chaye Sarah. And then he went back and he gave us the same connection, but on a deeper level. And now on the third part of this Parsha, in this third story, the Torah underscores not only that Yishmael is ben ha'ama ben shivcha Sarah, that he is the son of the maidservant, the maidservant of Sarah, but more than this, his very existence depends on him recognizing his place, on him recognizing that he is the son of the maidservant. And now if you have a chumish that you can easily access, I'm sorry, I should have told you about that before. Um, but if not, I will read the pasuk. The very last pasuk of the Torah reads, Vayishkenu mechavila atshor ashal pnei mitzrayim boyacha ashura apnei kolechav nafam. They lived, who is they? These are the sons of Yishmael. So the Maftir section of this Parsha gives us the names of the sons of Yishmael. And then the last Pasuk tells us they lived from Chavila to Shor, which borders on Egypt, going towards Ashur. And the very last words of the Pasuk read, Alpnei kol echav nafal. He lived in the presence of all of his brethren. And Rashi says on the word nafal, that nafal here means he dwelt. Then Rashi says, The Midianites, the Amalekites, and the people of the East dwelt in the valley. Then Rashi says, Here in this passage, when it talks about Yishmael and his children, he uses the term nafal which normally in the Torah means to fall. 
Whereas earlier it states, Earlier in the Torah, it says, he uses the term Yishkain, he dwelt. And Rashi finishes, this is so because, actually, because till Avram did not die, Yishmael dwelt. But once Avraham died, Nafal Yishmael fell. The Rebbe says, we might say, what is the innermost understanding of this? That once Avraham passed, Yishmael and his progeny fell, as it were. The process of Yishmael doing tshuva, which was in the main, his recognition that he is Ben Ha'ama, that he is the son of the maidservant, this was fueled by Avraham's prayer, Lu please Hashem, let it be, halavai, that Yishmael should live before you, that he should live with his awe and reverence and faith in you or of you. And Hashem accepted this tefillah, as we said earlier, like the Torah tells us, and I listen to Yishma, I listen to your prayer about Yishma. And this is a deeper understanding of while Avraham was alive, until he died, Yishma was able to reside. When Avraham died, Nafal he fell. Calls Avraham Hayachai Eitzel Yishmael Banagasai. All the while that Avram was living, and he was living in Yishmael, in Yishmael's behavior, the behaviors reflected Avram. As long as Yishmael held on to Avram's plaintive prayer that Yishmael shall live with faith of Hashem and our reverence of Hashem, and therefore he feels and he recognizes that his true existence is as the son of the maidservant. Then he can dwell. Because there is place for his existence. But when Avram passed, when he completely um, disconnected his connection to Avram, then he fell. His existence simply is no longer. And this Indian, that the existence of the Gentiles is for the purpose of Yisrael, this is relevant or it flows from and therefore, this is the main and the central theme and point of the whole parish of Chayisar. Hashem Avraham, very name Avraham, who, just like the Torah lets us know, he is called Avraham because he was made to be the father of many nations. 
יש לשייך גם להבדיל המנגויים. As the progenitor, as the father, he has connection to, to many, many nations. And for this very reason, the Rebbe says, because Avraham is the father of many nations, because he has a connection to many nations, for this very reason, the way that he gave Hashpa'ah did not underscore and therefore was not recognized by the other nations that they have no independent existence. The way in which he related to them was in a way which made them feel that they have an independent existence. Well, he, he didn't relate to them in a way that would remind them or underscore that mitziusim hirak b'shriel Yisrael that their existence is only for B'nai Yisrael. Masha'in came Sarah, in contradistinction when you talk about Sarah, Sarah, her name, humilashan shrara, her name is etymologically linked to the idea of being sovereign or reigning. She Sarah al-kol, that she reigns upon all. Umitzad in yana, so Avram is the father of all the nations. Sarah, reigns on all the nations is a very big difference. From the energy that Sarah emits, from her influence, it is felt and recognized by all the other nations that B'nai Yisrael are sovereign over the existence of all the other nations. Therefore, and therefore, that all the other nations are simply servants of Sarah and her and those who inherit her, which is Am Yisrael. Yud Beis. But we could still ask, It's true that now that we understand these stories in this particular way properly, we see how all the, the stories of this Parsha bring to expression the novel and singular and specific avoid of Sarah. But since, practically speaking, these are all things that happen after she passed, Hari says, but it would seem that these were all things that are in consonance with her life as she lived it in this world. So the explanation is that Rabbi says the, the main point of everything that happened in this parsha, even those things, although they happened after she passed, he Yisrael. 
although these stories that are that are spoken of in this parsha all occurred after her passing, but they are all suffused with her avoida that she did in this world, alive in this world. And all of her avoida was for the purpose that it should be recognized and it should be felt that the existence of this world is Bishril Yisrael, is for Yisrael. It is only that while she was alive, the true, the truth about her avoida, the true potency of her energy, was obscured. The and it is dafka after she passes that it is fully revealed. And the Rebbe says, and this is in, in consonance with what is, what is well known, concerning the Neshamas Gan Eden, what are the Neshamas doing Gan Eden? They are enjoying the rays of the Shechina. And what does that mean? Shaziv Hashchina, the rays of the Shechina Hainu, Ziv Tayrasan Vavidasan Mamash. What are the rays of Shechina that the Neshama Sakanetan enjoy? It is the rays of their Tayra and their work, Sha'askubahen Ba'ilam Haza, that they engaged in when they were in this world. In other words, it's only that the true potency, the true revelation of all the work that they did is only later in Gan Eden. In other words, the reward of basking in the rays of the Shekhinah is not an overlay. It is the essence of their avoida that only becomes manifest and fully revealed after their life. And it's only after that the complete tachlis of their work and that which is accomplished through their work comes finally and revealed in Olam Hapa. And as I explained once, in, in, in elongated fashion, when we speak about the reward, the revealed reward in Olam Haba, this is not something that is an extra or a side thing. Um, I'll just take a second to, to just concretize this, okay? So it's not like you tell a child, if you behave, I will give you a special treat. And the treat has nothing to do with their behavior. It's a motivating factor. It's a carrot. Okay. But the Rebbe says that in general, the whole idea of schar, the whole idea of ilam haba is not an overlay. It's not, it's not a, a bribe. It's not something study. It's not a side thing. It's 
it's it's the opposite. It's that the fulfillment of the intention of keeping mitzvahs in this world is for the purpose of what will become revealed in Olam Haba. This is the reward. The reward is that you get to see what is really accomplished through what you do here. And therefore, once we understand this, it's understood that the, the stories in this Parsha, through which what Sarah did in her lifetime is revealed, they are the life of Sarah. In other words, it's not only her influence. It's that now, finally, her life actually becomes revealed. The fullness of what she accomplished is revealed. And in this Parsha, the fullness of what she accomplished is expressed through these three stories. The fullness of her accomplishment being the way in which her energy and her avaida singles out or underscores the unparalleled place of B'nai Yisrael in this world. Kol ini b'tayr hoheira. Rebbe says that everything in Torah is a lesson. Ba'af b'nyanin, and so it is with what we're learning here. Ba'scholos ha'parsha v'siyuma yeshna heira p'shuta u'brura b'nagei amenu e'la. In the beginning of this parsha, at the end of the parsha, we have a very clear lesson for our times. When the Bnei Yishmael come and they come with a complaint, they come with a, they say that the Mars Machpelah belongs to them. As they are the children of Ram. We have a clear answer from our Parsha. On top of the fact, the Rebbe says, on top of the fact that most of the Arabs that are found in the countries abutting Eretz Yisrael and in Eretz Yisrael and in Hebron, they are, as famously known, not the children of Yishmael. They are not the true progeny of Yishmael. But let's say even you were to say that they are the children of Yishmael. Yishmael has no shaykhist mars machpela, says Rebbe. Shariyas mars machpela kana Avram avor kvor because Avram bought mars machpela for the burial of Sarah, the ilu Yishmael ka'amar ena yoshesh al Avram. And Yishmael is not an heir of Avram, and definitely not of Sarah. And therefore it's understood that this place belongs only to the child of Sarah, Yitzchak, and to his seed, and not even all of Yitzchak's seed, Yaakov Dafka, only Yaakov. And from the end of the parsha, we learn even more. When Yishmael becomes the para Adam, the wild man, 
and he comes with all kinds of assertions and claims. B'nei Yisrael should not fear him and we should not become Nispael. We should not, um, uh, help me somebody, uh, we shouldn't be affected by this. The only thing we have to do is remind Yishmael, remind these nations, that his entire existence is simply that he was born to Hagar, the Egyptian, who was the maidservant of Sarah, who was married to Avram. And when he wants to think of himself, when his self construal is as a as a independent existence, the loyalben shifchasara, and not as the son of the maidservant of Sarah, miskayim by alpnekol echav nafal. Then we have to remind him that uh, what the Torah says: that when Avram passed, he fell. And the Rebbe says, the Rebbe reminds us that non-Jews believe in the Bible. They believe in the Torah. Well, we will assert these things clearly and emphatically. And when they will be clear and emphatic, Eitzel B'nai Yisrael, when we will believe this in a clear and emphatic fashion, and we will explain this also to the non-Jews, in the proper way. Okay, this has to be explained in the proper way, but when this is explained from a place of truth, but it has to be said clearly and in a manifest way, then clearly we will not um, will not become kind of depressed and demoralized and afraid of the other nations. And especially not before those who consider themselves B'nai Yishmael, the Arabs. Rabbi says we have to retain our pride. We have to remember who we are. We have to remember our connection to Eretz Israel. And Aza Yaspiku Halalu Israel. And then those will stop pressing and pressuring Bnei Israel. because they too will recognize and they will feel. And the Rebbe says in parentheses, and especially because they also have a, a soul and the soul feels the truth, even if they don't feel it consciously. They will understand, they will recognize, they will feel that it is also for their own good that among, within, all of Eretz Yisrael, to her rightful boundaries as explicated in the Torah, 
אף בגולוי ובידינו בזמן הגולוס, לאיני בני חייס פשוט בני ישראל. That all of this should be completely and in manifest fashion, even in this time of golos, which is, which Rebbe says is hinted at in the words, le'eni b'nei ches, before the b'nei ches, Avram, that it should be b'shus b'nei Yisrael, it should be in the ownership of b'nei Yisrael. So that's the Sviksicha on Chayi Sarah, and, um, and the Rebbe explaining to us how every single aspect of this Parsha is about Sarah's singular energy, which comes to the fore, so much so as Rebbe explains, after her passing, then while she is still in this world. So wishing everybody a wonderful week ahead, filled with all good things. Thank you very much. My greatest pleasure.